notice that uh, a general phrase, gen in spirit and in truth, John 4. So it matters what we do and how we do it. And then we have expressions of worship. And we stress it's not a performance, but a personal expression of reverence toward God. I didn't realize my voice was so weak today. It, it has every reason in the world to be weak. But anyway, hopefully you can hear me. Okay. We looked at Acts chapter 20 briefly. That Paul, when he reached Troas, he waited around till the first day of the week to meet with the church to break bread. So that was the basic purpose, and I hope we all understand that. When we come together, our purpose is not to hear, primary purpose is not to hear preaching or even to pray together or whatever, but it's to have the Lord's Supper. That's the center and the heart and the core of our worship. So I hope we all, our minds are there and we're striving to draw close to God. Uh, then we have uh, giving, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, on, the first, on every first day of the week, Levi and stores you've been prospered. The King James just said, on the first day of the week, and of course, as preachers, we always emphasize, every week has a first day, so every week, and that applies on the first day, that's, that's every first day. Your modern translation probably has that on every first day of the week. So those two are the ones that are connected specifically with the first day of the week. The Lord's Supper and giving. The other three, of course, can be done at any time. Uh, so we have prayer at any time, First Timothy 2.8, about... Um, with the men would lift up holy hands and and uh any time they need to be we need to be praying. Uh, and then then we have singing and I spend a little more time on this in the uh, in the book. I think I have maybe one whole chapter on this in the manual. Ephesians five nineteen, Colossians three sixteen, sing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, sing with uh, all these different kinds of songs. I thought I would spend just a little time here since this is going to be something that people will uh, wonder about regarding Churches of Christ, why we have a cappella singing. Uh, I mentioned in passing, the word a cappella means chapel style, church style, because that was the style a church is used for hundreds of years. Uh, Catholic Church, of course, was developing and uh, going into apostasy. But nevertheless, they did not use the instrument of music for hundreds and hundreds of years. It was in the 600s that somebody tried to introduce it, and uh, it, was, it didn't work. It was, it was not accepted, it was taken out. And then it was in the 1200s before it was finally accepted in the Catholic Church. So your 
your whole uh, emphasis and uh, authority behind using instruments of music is the Catholic Church. And of course, then it divided it, even divided that group into Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox who do not use the instruments of music. Well, you can approach this most any way. I think uh, Dale just said, why, why don't you use instruments as close as New Testament tells us to sing? I think he kind of leaves it that way. I, I, I want one little, I, I, I have had many, many discussions on this. I can, I quote, converted to a Christian church preachers in Australia studying this with them. One of them became a preacher in the Churches of Christ. The other one said, I'm too old to change. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he agreed with me it should be uh, a cappella music, but he just didn't, he didn't want to make a change. But the simplest argument in my mind is what's sometimes called the law of exclusion. If I tell you to paint the shed white, I don't have to tell you, don't paint it red, don't paint it green, don't paint it black. You know that when I say paint it white, you want to do what? If you're followed by instructions, you're going to paint it white. Uh, and you don't have to say all those, don't do this, don't do that, don't do something else. That's in that same uh, area. Uh, in uh, Abilene, I forget the exact uh, setting on this, but it had to do with, with some denominational preacher that had been arguing, well, it doesn't say don't use it, don't use instrumental music. It's in a hotel in Abilene back in the days when they uh, had bellhops who would carry your bags up to your floor. And uh, anyway, this preacher apparently had checked in one bag, and I said to, uh, you know, I said, take that bag up to my room. Anyway, the bellhop, who was a student at Abilene Christian, just trying to make ends meet, he grabbed the man's bag and three or four more bags that were, uh, you know, sitting there from previous guys, Turned all those bags up to that preacher's room. Preacher said, what is this? He said, well, you didn't tell me not to bring all those bags up. <laughs> the, uh, someone said, well, can that be applied religiously? Uh, I don't know whether they've changed their manuals, but uh, many years ago, I have uh, had, uh, I, I bought a Baptist, Manual, probably Southern Baptist Manual. There's a chapter in there on baptism, and it discusses yeah. Yeah. what about people that say, well, it does not say, do not sprinkle, do not pour water on the head. And then they go in and explain God's law of exclusion. If God says immerse, it means to immerse. It doesn't have to say, don't sprinkle. So the law of exclusion is understood in the world and in religion. So in your manual, I have various charts there 
that kind of show the illustrations of this. But anyway, uh, I always go ahead and, and, uh, and talk about this to some extent since it's a matter that people uh, seem to uh, consider when they're thinking about churches of Christ. We move on to what is the mission of Jesus' church. And uh, the passage I have there first came from the class we had just before this one. Uh, I've never had a real good backup passage on this, but this, this, this was from the class that was taught by uh, uh, David Roberts. Jesus came to seek and save the lost with 19.10. And when he was fulfilling that mission, he, he did three things. He preached and taught and healed and sick, Matthew 4.23. So even so as the body of Christ, we're also to seek and save the lost. And so then we go through, here are the three things that we basically need to do. We need to preach, teach, and help people. So that's evangelism, edification, and benevolence. And I think that's, uh, I think that's again, an important thing because uh, denominations will get so involved in so many activities uh, that they you know, forget what, what the mission of the church is. And if we're not careful, we can also uh, do the same thing. And then I have, how do members of Jesus' church live? Now, if you use a supplement on, uh, on Christian living back under your baptism, well, of course, this will just be a little reminder, but uh, I, I close out this section with this. I need to follow Jesus, 1 Peter 2, 21, and Philippians 2, 5, both say we're to follow in the, in the steps of Jesus. We're to follow Jesus in the steps of Jesus. Uh, and of course, I've just noticed in passing, a large part of the New Testament is about this, but a typical passage, Galatians 5, 19-23, and you remember, this, this is kind of unique among the listings, because this has a listing of bad stuff, immediately followed by a listing of good stuff. Right, the, the, the good stuff you've heard in BBS many times, the teenagers doing the, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> so anyway, those, those are just a, a kind of general passage. And then I think it's, go ahead, it's, it's good to go ahead and, and say what to do when you sing as a Christian. I remember a young Catholic boy that I was teaching, and uh, we went through and emphasized, well, just like we've been doing here, we need to baptize to become a, a child of God. And then I never thought of this. He said, okay, and, I, and then your sins are washed away. So he said, so every time you sin, you need to be baptized. And I compared it with being born into a family. There's one process to be born into a family. There's another process to be reconciled in that family. So the new birth is the way to get into the family, but then this is what God does tells us to do to be reconciled. And you, uh, of course, have all these passages, repent, confess, and pray. Acts 8.22 is the, uh, uh, the guy in Philippi that did the imagine. 
perhaps he's told him to repent, pray this, perhaps God will forgive you this. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, it's faith and just to forgive us our sins. And I've noticed uh, fairly common, fairly recently, people using First uh, John 1 7. I preached a sermon on it one time, some time ago, about this wonderful thing that the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us of our sins. So you may want to close that. That's a very positive thing. Now, that's the second part of the study as I have it. And I'm suggesting that you either use this or you adapt it in any way you want to. But now when you, when you finish whatever uh, series you're going to use, you go to their, your appeal. You review what they need to do to be saved. That's the first part. And uh, then you have them read James 4.17, Therefore to him that knoweth it do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so you go through, over here, you go through what, what they wrote down about believing. Do you know you need to believe? Do you know you need to repent? Do you know you need to confess Jesus? And unless they're whatever, they're going to just keep saying yes. And finally say, do you know you need to be baptized, immersed into Jesus? And normally they'll say yes. And so then you ask, would you like to be baptized? If they say yes, would you like to be baptized now? And so that's it's a very powerful conclusion. Uh, you, of course, there's a lot of other passages you can use to continue to convince them that now is the appointed time and so on. But anyway, that's a good close. Now, here's your assignment. Listen to me carefully. This is going to finish the class off. <laughs> I'll, be to, I'll be down to... Two people, the last, last class. Mark your Bible, right? Either with this or with your own. Mark your Bible. The last two classes we have are going to be practice. Okay? Does that scare you? <laughs> you? You pair off some way, and in one class, one of you will uh, start like you're teaching them as far as you can go during a class period. And the last class period, the other person then will, will, will teach you. Yeah, everybody with me? Now next time, I'm going to uh, get somebody and, and do, a, do a little demonstration. Okay? And then the next last two classes you'll be doing this practice. So, if you stay with me and do that, I think we will fulfill the promise that by the time you leave here, you'll be able and ready to hold a one-on-one -on -one study. Okay, now I don't know how much time I have left, but I'm going to go through some things I 
generally plan to do. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. First thing I wanted to notice is this is for one person. I have talked to people, but one of them is either uh, a friend or companion or somebody that brought them. But you're concentrating on one person, getting response from one person, seeing how you're doing with one person. So this is not this is not for a group study. You could use this for the group study; wouldn't be bad. But still, you're not following the individual response. You want that individual response so you can see where you are and how that person is progressing spiritually. Now, what if you have a group? What if there's a family? or something along that line, or some other group. I'm, uh, uh, I'm thinking way back at the village, there was a lady, one of our members attended a group of ladies who had a Bible study. And she got me in, and I, I, I did that, that group. I didn't do something like this. I used Jill Miller film strips. But Jill Miller film strips are good for a group. Did you say we've ordered wrong ways? We've ordered uh, that, and now it comes on a thumb drive. Thumb drive. <laughs> uh, I also have been waiting to mention this. I don't know how I came up, came up with a copy of this. I, I don't know if the book is still here that goes with this or not. Anyway, uh, it's called Searching for truth. It's five great lessons. And I, I, I think they were sent to me as a sample that I was on. Here's the lessons about the Creator, about authority, about the church, about the house of God, about baptism. So it closes out with a, with a, with a strong lesson on the need to be baptized after giving us other information. Uh, when I was uh, teaching out at Newcastle, one of the members out there uh, had a grown daughter who had uh, fallen away, and he asked me to go, go see her. So I went to see her and visited with her and so on, and for some reason decided I would, I would give her that copy that I had. I said, you, you may want to, you may want to watch this. So, uh, unbeknownst to me, she not only watched it. I'm almost afraid to say it this way. Then she talked her husband <laughs> into watching. I probably, probably should say, she said the right thing. Thanks. So her husband <laughs> wanted to watch this. Anyway, they. Uh, end result was the husband was baptized and the woman was restored. So that's my that's my one use of yeah. this. I'm at that smitter present. I hate to tell you, because I'd want I, I would like you to think I really made a big sacrifice to get these for you. They're two dollars a piece. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful lessons. Well done lesson. Two dollars for that. So anyway, if you if you would like a copy, these these will be up here. Now, uh, what was the next thing I wanted to do? 
Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll go on to, uh, to a question that Ron asked, and I forgot, I lost your card. We're in the process of moving. Uh, they've already moved me, so I'm over here, and, and gradually my stuff is getting up. Debbie is the one at the present time working so hard on that. But anyway, I don't know what happened to your card, Ron. Sorry. Anyway, it was something along the line about being able to tell uh, that a person doesn't believe or whatever that is. Anyway, if you remember way back there, you asked a question somewhere along this line. I would love to hear about your spiritual journey. And when you begin to talk about that, then you'll be able to uh, surmise that whether they believe or don't believe, you can ask some more questions and so on. Here's, here's a hint. Never act surprised at their answer. Never be, act like you're shocked at their answer. Never act like you're, you know, that's, you think that's the most terrible thing you ever heard in your life. Someone says, but, but you know, you, you got to respond, I say something. This comes straight from my brother Coy. This is my brother Coy's all-purpose response when he can't say something good. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. You can say that, but that is what they say, right? So write that down. That's interesting. And so, and so, you, so you find out, you find out all this information. You need to know as much as you can about them before you start the study. Now I want to say a little bit about uh, apologetics. If I understand the Bible, the Bible, of course, doesn't make a detailed uh, argument for the existence of God. Uh, it uh, starts out, in the beginning, God. It, it kind of assumes that people believe in God. And, 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 and it's just starting from that point. Uh, now there were, obviously there were, what we would call atheists or agnostics in that day, because in the book of Psalms says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So there apparently were some people that said there is no God. Most of them uh, in that day were people who were worshiping false gods, but at least they believed in something called God. Uh, but anyway, as, as best I can understand, the two basic ways of approaching someone regarding the existence of God are nature and the scriptures. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And then, regarding in Romans, it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, I thank you. It looks like the all the other books I brought, and we can, we can have plenty of more. Now, in this book, which is a teaching book, it's, it has, I think it has a good story. Okay, I spent a lot of time on the story. 
What's the teaching book? And you've got a guy in there, well, you have a husband and wife who are not Christians. The wife has a little bit of background because she went with her grandparents to church when she was a child. The man has no background. He was, he was more jerked up than, than brought up. And uh, anyway, he, he, when, when his wife becomes a Christian, he's just irate and that, that produces a lot of problems. But anyway, he finally agrees to counseling with this grandfather. And uh, the grandfather does two things. He's, he asks him to start reading the book of Luke. The most powerful thing you can do to help somebody come to faith is get them reading the Bible. And, and uh, I don't know exactly why, but I prefer to start people on the book of Luke because it just kind of naturally feeds into the book of Acts so that they get this whole story. Then go from there then to various, various epistles such as Philippians or James. Anyway, so he's reading the book of Luke, asking questions about it, and the grandfather also says, when you, when you look at something and see something, ask the question, where did this come from? And so the grandfather expands that. And over a period of time, he comes to faith. So again, uh, I say this, this can serve as an introduction to, uh, regardless of when you're building that bridge with someone, and, and uh, you can kind of see how that happens. And I think it looks like all the others have gone. I brought four more today, and I still, gotta, still have a whole lot. Okay, so those two things. Now, your biggest argument against the existence of God is something terrible happened to me, or something terrible happened to somebody I know. If there was a good God, he would not have allowed that to happen. Everybody know what I'm talking about? The problem of evil. Uh, they never say something good happened to me. <laughs> Why did that happen to me? Why did something good happen to me? They just—that's natural because I'm a good guy and good things should happen to me. It's always something bad. Now, if you stop and think about it, that is not an argument against the existence of God. That's an argument against the goodness of God, not an argument against the existence of God. The pagan people would not have considered that an argument at all because their gods were mean and nasty. <laughs> so they, they were, would never be surprised if their god did bad things to them. But anyway, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the argument. You hear it constantly, you hear it on TV, you hear it in movies, you hear it everywhere. And, uh, but anyway, there are many ways of course talking about that and, and to me the the basic thing is to understand that this is a, a world that was run by sin. Are you with me? It's a world run by sin. And God uh, allows us to uh, live in a world that is controlled by, by natural law. And most of these things that happen to people 
as a result of natural law. You fall off a cliff, natural law is gravity. You're going to hit the bottom down there. Anyway, you can you can work on that. I just thought that in, in, in passing. Now on the on the, on the scriptures, I think I told you the story of uh, the individual that told me. Maybe I, I can't remember what 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 I've told you, but anyway, I'll tell it again. I was asked to go to this house, young couple little baby and 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 talk to the talk to the man he said oh no oh no the bible is full of contradictions i said give me an example he said well in one place it says that judas hanged himself another place it says that judas fell and burst asunder i said well did you ever think about the fact that the Jews would not touch a dead body, it would make them unclean, and it hung there so long that the rope uh, decayed and fell, and he's in bad shape, so he's going to splatter when, he, when that happens. Doesn't make any difference. I, can you tell me another example? No, that was it. That was it. And then that was a, so that was important to him because he didn't want to do anything. <laughs> And then in contrast to that, I probably, like I said, I probably already told you this, in contrast to that, they went outside and I was holding the little, little girl and uh, there was a ball involved. I don't know if some ball was being tossed or not. And I finally pointed up at the, at the moon and said, who threw that ball up there? And the little girl said, God did. <laughs> So to me, that, I, that's always stuck in my mind, the mm. contrast mm. of the unbelief mm. and then the faith of a little child. Yeah. But anyway, nature, nature, how did this happen? And, and it's just as natural in the world for a child to ask, who made that? That's just built into a child. Who made that? Who made that? And so that's what the grandfather asked this guy to do, to ask that question, who made that? He's looking at a tree. Well, that came from another tree. And that came from another tree. They came from another tree. He said, but somewhere back there, there had to be a first tree. Who made that first tree? And he, he, he makes a statement that uh, as a result of a study that I did when I was back at Abilene Christian, I took a class called Modernism. And uh, my, my study and my uh, paper was on evolution. And uh, the question was, I don't have enough faith to believe that it just happened. That's what the man says. My paper was on faith versus faith. And when you consider all the theories that go along with evolution, first of all, that something came from nothing. Or even a big boom, big boom theory. Something had to be there to go boom. <laughs> something came from nothing. And then that something that uh, life, life came from death. And then from that 
kind of little life came all the kinds of things around us. And anytime you get involved in, in, in checking uh, birds, animals, and a thing, there's no end. There's no end. You know, this kind of colorful toad or that, anyway, there's just so many, all of that, all of that came from this tiny little amoeba back here. And then finally you have from that neuter amoeba, amoeba, can't even pronounce it. I'll let you pronounce it. Came male and female. <laughs> anyway, all of, all of that just by chance. I, what I did was I read all these books by evolutionists, and invariably somewhere in there they would say something along this line, and then <coughs> this shouldn't have happened. It couldn't have happened, but it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, that's faith. Yeah. That's a really strong faith. Something that couldn't happen, but it did happen. And so my all we have to do is believe in God. All, all things are possible. If you don't believe in God, you've got to believe in really strange things. And so that's why I had why I had my little friend in here say, I don't have enough faith to believe it all just happened. But anyway, so you have that now. Uh, back to the Bible, so many things are said regarding the, the well, it's full of mistakes of this and that. Uh, if you really know, and I think this, this was brought out in Jeremy's uh, material, there is no book on the face of the earth that has the kind of uh, evidence like the Bible. Nothing. There's nothing like it, even close to it. Uh, you know, we're, we're willing to accept that so-and-so uh, wrote this or so-and-so wrote that in the past. We may just have three or four manuscripts, or maybe even one manuscript. We say, well, he wrote that. Well, we've got, got thousands and thousands and thousands. Now, I wish I could get up to the board here. Uh, and, and, and some of this may have changed now, because, you know, I'm an old guy. But anyway, at the time that I studied this, there were four basic uh, uh, families of manuscripts of the New Testament, okay? And so in selecting, you could, you could look and see, and most of the times, if there's any variation, that's all, it's not mistakes, it's textual variations. Generally, if there's a variation, it'll be in one of these families, not in all three. So it's generally generally three to one. Occasionally, it could be two to two, and you have to make uh, decisions on that. Then you can go to all of the, uh, what do I try to say, translations, because almost immediately they begin to translate the Bible. These, these three these four families are all uh, Greek, Koine Greek. But you got all these translations, so you can compare all of that. Now, when I'm studying with someone, see if I can find my book here. For this point, I keep an American Standard. 
You can also use others. I just happen to like the American Standard. I have them open it up. Is that the first bell? Right. I have them open it up and uh, any page. I say, now look down at the bottom and find a, a footnote that starts with the word or, O-R. That shows your textual variant. O-R. Okay, then I say, now, then I, now see what word it's talking about. And when you go up to that word, it doesn't amount to the hell of things. It might be capital S on spirit or small s on spirit. Anyway, these variants don't amount to anything. So again, if I had my chalkboard, I draw a big circle. This is this is the totality of the New Testament. Then I draw a little circle, or a smaller circle. The smaller circle I've labeled the core of the New Testament. The basic teachings, the things that have to do with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, our being saved, our living the Christian life, our going to heaven when we die. These variants do not touch the core. And so the person that was drawing this would draw a little nick here in the outer circle, a little nick here, Little nick down here, those are the various. These little nicks have nothing to do with the basic teaching of the New Testament. So I wanted to I wanted to kind of share that with you. Now, next time I'm going to do a demonstration. So one of you get ready to uh, volunteer to be the person I teach. And so I'm going to I would go as far as I can. Now, being long-winded, I may not get very far on the uh, on the Mark Bible, but you'd be you'd be marking your Bible, right? Because the week after that, you're going to be teaching someone. It's going to be a noisy noisy group. <laughs> Everybody talking at once. So wear your hearing aids or not hear them, whatever. Okay, does everybody understand? Now again. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't gotten any cards on people that, that you are interested in teaching and would like to teach. I'd like to see come to Christ. I'd still, I'd still like to give us a, a mailing list before this is over. So if you could give me those cards, I'd appreciate it. Let's have a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for being with us. We thank you for those that are here today. Please bless them. Give them uh, understanding and how to, how to do this for you. And then give them the courage to, to use it. I thank you for being with me and allowing me to be here today. Help us all, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>